0: Bibles, turn to page 13, and you can open up there to Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. Genesis 15, verses 1 to 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it, it to him for righteousness. This is the writ in the inerrant word of God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight Oh, God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. We welcomed members to the church today, and it was on the basis of faith. It was on the basis of Christ. And faith is simply our empty hand receiving the blessings of Christ himself and all his benefits. And it comes through the word of God that we can do this. Noticed in the text today, two times over, it says in verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And there in verse number 4, after Abram had made his case, it says, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord's coming to you today. Back in those days when God, in that era, of salvation history was bringing his revelation directly to certain people, revealing himself directly by vision or by sound in their ears or by deep spiritual impression upon their soul. Back in those days, the word of the Lord came to interrupt their day and arrest them from walking and wandering through their life simply going the way they had, had come to Abram when he was in Ur of the Chaldees. And the scripture says, now the Lord had spoken to Abram, and he had spoken to him, and he said, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. You see, this call of faith had begun four chapters earlier, and Abram had responded, believing This, again, this word came to him now in a vision saying, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Well, God speaks to us now through his written word as the Holy Spirit opens it up to us. And as surely as God interrupted Abram's life that day, he's interrupting your life today. You thought you were just coming out. You know, one of those routine things. You've been coming here for decades. And you thought, well, another day in church. You know, I've been here a long, long time. Marilyn, Mary here, probably 31 years. Her granddaughter, her daughter-in-law, 34 months. And before that, for some of you, this is the only time you've been here. God is meeting us here today. I want you to know that that he speaks to us, surely. And he speaks to us in such a way that he is not going to let us go. And he says to us, don't be afraid. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And if you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today, this shall be your assurance also. I ask you today today, To know that this one who may have appeared, this eternal son of God, may have been the one who addressed Jesus in this vision, addressed Abram in this vision. That's the one who came to be incarnate in the flesh, Jesus. And it could have been that this eternal son of God came as a Christophany to speak to Abram. Christ is here among us, where two or three are gathered In my name, there I am in the midst of them. And I want to ask you, will you consider this fact that there are many things that we need to learn from the Lord and that we should consider, consider this, this, this fear that this man had? And are we such a one who will have a fear before God today? You say, well, we're not supposed to be afraid, but we're supposed to have a holy awe before God. We are meant to see who God is. And that's our first point, who the Lord is. The second point is that the word of the Lord portrays a picture of blessing, verses 4 and 5. And then the Lord was believed. The Lord counted him as righteous verse 6 now why was Abram afraid it could have been according to Dale Ralph Davis that he who having uh, warded off the temptation to give the wicked king of Sodom any due he who warded him off if you look back in 1423 he said to the king of Sodom I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap And that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich. Abram knew that God had given him the victory. In verse 20 of chapter 14, it says, He, the Lord, the God most high, has delivered your enemies into your hand. Well, it could have been that Abram was afraid because he was afraid that he had passed up his golden ring. Man, I was going to get all kind of wealth from that guy. I was going to get all kinds of treasure and now oh how could i pass it up and there's some of us who are tempted to ill-gotten gain to money that we don't get exactly above board there are many things in the business world there are many ways that we can seek to get more than we would deserve legally and this man of god abram knew that it was not right for him to take from the king of Sodom. Otherwise, Sodom could come back later and said, I have made you rich. You remember in the opening scenes of The Godfather? When Marlon Brando is saying to the, I think it was a tailor or some, oh no, it was an undertaker. And he said, yeah, I'll take care of that guy, but I might need your services later. Well, we never should be in that position with the world. And yet, when we turn our back on the world, then we regret it. We say, oh, I passed it up. I passed up my opportunity. There's remorse. And there's another form of remorse. There's this remorse that comes with the, the, uh, the sense of, hey, somebody could be getting revenge on me. These four kings, of, four kings who came against the king of Sodom, they might circle back. They were led by Cater Leomar. And they had come back 14 years after their first victory and attacked Lot, the cousin of Abram. And they might come back again. So maybe he was afraid of revenge. And then there is the possibility of regret. There's remorse. There's revenge. There's regret. And here we see this opened up in verses 2 and 3. You see, Abram is regretting. Why are you moving so slow? you promised me, me to make me a great nation. You're promising to make my name great. But I don't have any heirs. This servant, Eliezer of Damascus, he's my heir. I knew that little kid from a, a child. Actually, he was born in my house to his mother, who was a servant of mine, God. And now he's growing up, and he will be my heir. Is that really what you're planning on? There is a sense of regret But there's also this sense of holy fear. I am in the presence of the holy God, and I am struck with a sense of my own sin, my own inadequacy. I need to have a righteous respect for the living God. So I don't know about you. You may not have any of these fears. It could be that you do. It could be that you have remorse over a missed opportunity which would have taken you into sin and yet you wanted the money. Do you remember uh, Rockefeller was once asked the question, how much is enough money? And what did Rockefeller say back? One more dollar. You see, may, maybe we live in this remorse that we haven't made it like other people. Or maybe we live with the sense that somebody's out to get revenge against us. Or maybe we're living with the regret that God isn't acting as quickly as we thought he would. Or maybe we should have today a righteous respect for the living God who is holy and different than us. We are sinners. He is holy. But do you see what he does here? What God does is he anticipates our fear. He knows our struggles. And he says, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. To say that he is our shield means he is our protection against those kings, the ones led by Cater-Lammer. He is our protection, and he will fight for us even as he strengthened Abram and delivered those kings into his hand. And if we don't win the battle here on earth, He will take us straight to heaven. If we are killed, we will still gain the victory. Indeed, this one is our exceedingly great reward. Sometimes we think that if we are going to be following God, there's all these things that have to go right in our life. But God doesn't take us out of the warp and the woof of life. God doesn't take us out of all the struggles all our friends have. He simply says, I am your reward. I am the one that you get when you trust in Jesus Christ as your savior. And I am the one that will take you into eternity, into the new heaven and the new earth, there to dwell with me in glory forever. That is our exceedingly great reward. We're not to look with buyer's remorse back on our life and say, I didn't get everything they did. We are to look to God. He is the reward himself. And if some of you really want to go to heaven and sort of live your life down here the way you always have, if you're thinking, well, I'll take the heaven part, but I'm okay for now, just leave me alone. What makes you think that you would enjoy a heaven where God is worshipped eternally and you haven't even started worshipping him now? Why would you think you'd want to be there If you're spending 70 or 80 or 90 years of your life just worshiping self, or worshiping the almighty dollar, or worshiping whatever it is, your politics, or whatever makes you tick, start worshiping the Lord now. Humble yourself before the Lord Jesus Christ this day. Repent of your sin. Believe upon him. And then, and only then, would you want to go to heaven St. Augustine, the great church father, declares that God is the reward we're looking for. He writes, Great are you, O Lord, and exceedingly worthy of praise. Your power is immense, your wisdom beyond reckoning. And so we men, who are a due part of your creation, long to praise you. We also carry out our, carry our mortality about with us, carry the evidence of our sin and with it the praising you may and you arouse us so that praising you may bring us joy because you have made us and drawn us to yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. God is our exceedingly great Rewarded, you will be restless. You will not have the happy life until you come to Christ. You will not have the peaceful life. Now, in light of the concerns that Abram expresses here in verses 2 and 3, the Lord comes back again. Verse 4 and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. God's not going to give up coming to you, especially. If you have friends in this church family who know you and you come here regularly, they're going to be reminding you of this church, especially when you have two believing people and others in your family who trust in Jesus Christ. He is going to keep on reminding you of his word. He is the relentless hound of heaven who will track us down. And it says here, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Dale Ralph Davis calls this a sacrament of assurance. It's a picture for us of his promises that as abundant as the sky was filled with stars and as impossible it would be to count them, so impossible would be to count the descendants of Abram. And that includes us, includes the Jewish people who trust in Jesus, the Messiah, and includes many of us Gentiles here who trust Jesus as our savior and Lord. This step outside, if you will, out of the tent, out into God's creation was a picture of God's faithfulness. And when we step outside, we see the beauties of the Adirondacks here. We see the beauties of Long Island Sound. We see the beauties of the Atlantic Ocean. We step outside. When we're wherever we live, we step outside. And we see the glories of God's creation. But the glory of the cross is even greater. For the glory of the cross is that the one who made that all came down to earth to die for us and to put his blood in our place that we would not have to suffer eternally in hell, but would come to him in faith, believing that sacrament is one we will celebrate tonight when at the table of the Lord, we will partake in faith of the bread and the wine. And remember the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. It was a sacrament that we celebrated this morning where the water was a picture of the washing away of dirt. You go on a hike in the Adirondacks. You're working hard all day and you splash water on your face to clear your your mustiness away. The water is a cleansing flow. And it's a picture of the cleansing flow which washes away dirt our sins. God gives us a prop. It is a sacrament which is unpacked by the word. Just as it says here, so shall your descendants be. So Jesus says to us, the cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ for the full remission of all our sins. Yes, We are given pictures, and our privilege today was to see that picture in baptism, and tonight, the picture of the sacrament. He presents himself to us truly and really. Now, the final point is that the Lord was believed, and the Lord counted Abram for righteousness. This doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen just by showing up you need to believe for yourself. And Abram indeed believed the word of the Lord. You see the progress here. The word of the Lord came, verse 1. And then in verse 5, verse 4, the word of the Lord came to him. And then in verse 6 it says, and he believed in the Lord. The word of the Lord is meant to bring you to the Lord. That you would have that personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, we understand that this process of faith had begun a long time ago, had begun in Ur of the Chaldees, and it continued when he was generous to his nephew Lot and gave him the best choice of the land. It continued when he realized that God's promise to curse him who curses you applied to these kings, the Cater-Lehomer. And living and standing in that promise, he went out to fight. And then Melchizedek said, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So this process of faith began a long time ago, but now he believes it for the biggest issue in his life, which is his inheritance. Will I have a son? Will you make a great nation of me? And so today I want to call you to faith because it is only believing upon the Lord that you can be counted righteous. You don't get totally cleansed up, your life doesn't become perfect until you get to heaven. But even before heaven, you are counted righteous here and now when you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord. The biblical faith looks away from self and looks to the Lord. And we trust him. Now you may ask, what does this event back in Abram's life have to do with our life? You know, he was being promised something, descendant, and you've been talking to me today, Pastor Ned, about being forgiven of my sins. What's The connection there, the connection is, if we turn over, please, to Romans and chapter 4, the connection is that David, that, that Abram was as good as dead with regard to inheritance. And Sarah also, it says in Romans 4, 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not consider it. He still believed. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him Righteousness. That's a quote of our text this morning. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. Also for us who believe. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised. For, because of, or for, our justification. You see, there's deadness at work in Abram's life and in Sarah's life. And yet Abram believed the Lord that he would bring life, even the life of a son. And there's deadness at work in our life. And we believe that Jesus dying at the cross and being raised from the grave, as our sister said in her testimony today, that we believe that this life that comes forth is a life for us. The common theme is death coming to life. Death. Our hearts are dead. We will not come to God on our own. But God, sending his Holy Spirit upon us today, shall Woo us to the Savior and bring us alive. And then, believing upon Jesus, we shall be accounted righteous. And that is a result of the resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years ago and the resurrection of our lives to believe upon him right now. Come to Christ. Know his saving love. He is strong to save. I call you this morning to believe on a reliable, gracious God, one who helps us with our remorse, who helps us with our fear of revenge from hostile people, who helps us with our regrets when we don't think he's moving fast enough, and who helps us to have a true and godly awe of God, rather than a craven fear that just wants to run away. He welcomes us into his presence and we come with thanksgiving today for we believe and I call you to believe. Believe and it will be accounted to you for righteousness. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You and your house. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, come this day. Save us. Come to us again and again with your word. But let us not pass up this moment when you have come to us and you call us to yourself. You are our shield. You are our exceedingly great reward. We pray in Jesus' name.